What's going on, everybody? It's your host, Rob Marsh. Listen to the Rims and Nets podcast, episode 42. Um, I remember the last time we had the live stream, pretty much covering the, pretty much most of the first round, went on about two hours. Um, I did uh, let you, I did after the, after the stream, let everyone know I was going to try to, um, you know, pretty much review the rest of the draft, which I'm going to do that right now, but it's going to be quick. This is pretty much just, this episode is pretty much just going to be a, pretty much an overview or, or really a review of the entire NBA offseason because it's been shortened. Um, it's crazy. Uh, training camp actually starts today as I'm recording this on December 1st. Right now it's around 11 o'clock in the East Coast. So 11 o'clock a.m. So training camp starts tomorrow. So everything, I mean, all the offseason stuff is pretty much wrapped up. Like there's probably maybe a few things that haven't happened yet. Anthony Davis hasn't signed his contract yet. Uh, Antetokounmpo hasn't signed his contract yet. Other than that, I'm pretty much all the all the moves have pretty much have been finalized, and training camp is is going to be starting today. So from for everyone in the NBA, it's going to start today. I think the preseason starts on December 11th. So that's what less than two weeks, and then the season starts in about three weeks from now. On the, I believe it was on the 21st or the 22nd. So it's moving very, very fast. And right now we're just going to review everything from the draft to all the way to free agency. Uh, figure all the winners and losers of both of those. Um, well, just in general, the winners and losers of the offseason. I'll probably just really just shorten it up down to that because we got to really – Really stacked show today. We're going to get into college basketball. College basketball started last weekend, Thanksgiving weekend. So we're going to get into the local teams, give you my top five list. I'll do that in the late, latter half of the show. As, as of right now, we're going to give you a top five list of what I, or really a preseason top five list of the top five New England teams. The reason why I showed it, to, last year I had a top ten list, which if you want to see that, it's on the website. But uh, for last year, of course, I I I definitely haven't been able to really um, focus on the website. Hopefully, got a little things cleared up. Um, so maybe this Sunday I can kind of make a lot of updates on the website. You know, don't mark my words on it. As you can see, it's been a lot of things change. And a lot of things don't aren't concrete. When I say it, I know that's not the most reliable thing. But at least you can rely on me putting it out of podcast every couple weeks. You can rely on that. Um, and maybe the website will probably be, you know, maybe every two. I'll try to at least try to get in updates every two weeks. You know, recruiting updates, who signs with what team, you know, 
I'm gonna try to get like I'm like I said I, I said in the last part I wasn't gonna have a top 100 list but I will get you updated on a few prospects that are on the rise a few prospects that are looking good maybe I'll have some features on it or short articles on those prospects um, for the upcoming class of 2021 so I probably could do that as well as you know keep up with the uh, local teams you know for uh, local college teams a lot of teams haven't even started their season yet just because of the COVID restrictions Ivy League hasn't, aren't even playing a season at all so that takes away a few teams that I would have probably put in my top 10 you know you got Harvard, you got Yale you got Brown those three teams were in my top 10 last year they're not I'm not, I'm not in recruiting they possibly could have been in the top 5 for this list that I put up but because they're not playing, I'm not even going to include them because it's, you know they're not they're not playing this year. So basically, the only uh, teams in the top five that are really pretty much playing right now, probably four of the, those teams that are that are on that list are playing right now. I think the fifth team that I'll put, I'm not going to reveal it until later on the show, is basically a team that. Um, I liked them a lot last year, and I think they're going to be just as good as they were last year. So, and they haven't, they won't start their season till later on in December. So, I mean, it's, it technically goes by each goes by conference. Each conference has different rules and restrictions on the virus. Um, some conferences are playing non-conference schedules. Some conferences aren't. Some conferences are limiting the travel. Some conferences are just playing it like it's like nothing's going on you know look at these top four teams they're already playing the in these you know these early season tournaments these early non-conference tournaments so you're seeing providence really participating in a lot of them providence is playing uh right now i'm watching them play against indiana right now it's a replay from last year uh last night's game and then you have um, BC. They already played in two preseason tournaments already, and they're ongoing with the second one right now. As they just played it, uh, they just played St. John's last night. But we'll get into that later on the show. In more college basketball. We'll get into that in the, the probably in the second segment. But for right now, let's kind of review the draft where we left off. Um. I remember we talked a lot about the Celtics' first pick, um, Aaron Nesbitt, how he'll fit with this team. I have another opinion on that. I would just say that um, a lot of people are saying that they should start him, and I think I think that might help the bench out, but it really doesn't matter because they say, oh, like, well, if you start Naismith, he puts Mark back on the bench. But Smart is probably going to have to start anyways because, you know, most likely Kimba Walker won't start the year. Like, they're going to arrest Kimba Walker because his knee is still bothering him. So Celtics, you know, with their free agency, you know, signings, they're able to get Tristan Thompson. Um, as you all know, that Gordon Hayward uh, signed with the Hornets. So literally the next day, 
they were to pick up Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague. So Jeff Teague is probably a guy that possibly could start. Depends on how Brad wants to do this and how he wants his bench to be represented early on because Kim Walker won't be playing. So it's either they start smart, which I think they'll probably go with that. They'll probably go with the lineup that they did a lot of in the playoffs when Kimba was uh, – not Kimba, but uh, – because Kimba played most, most – Kimba played a lot in the playoffs. But Smart played a lot, a lot, started a lot as well because of Gordon Hayward being out. So they'll probably go with that just because they're so used to Smart starting. So they'll probably go with that and then probably have T come off the bench and be their sixth man. At least for early on in the year. And then once Kimba comes back. They can push either Smart to the bench or either start Naismith. So, I don't know. I, I, I think, if it was my opinion, I think they should just... They should work to starting Naismith, but not start Naismith right away. I think they should do that maybe in the middle of the year. They should start Naismith. For right now, they should let the kid kind of get his feet wet. See how he does. See how the uh, how how he... Um, see how he treats the NBA or the, how the NBA treats him and work out all those, you know, those Ricky, you know, Ricky mistakes that he's going to have and, and all those shortcomings he's going to have. And just don't just rush him into starting. I just think that's a little bit too adverse to do something like that early on. But, uh, that's just my opinion. And as you know, if you look into the 20s, a lot of trades, a lot of a lot of a lot of um teams swapping picks. So I had a hard time trying to keep up with it because um that night I kind of I had to go to work the next day so I wasn't able to watch the second round, so it was a lot of swapping in the second round and the end of the first round. So when I got off the air that day, I kind of settled in and went to sleep. But uh, to review, you know, the Nuggets getting R.J. Hampton at 24, I thought that was a pretty impactful pick. R.J. Hampton has very high upside. He's a guard and the Nuggets lost a lot of players in the offseason. They lost a bunch of bench players and, and key pieces to their championship run or their Western Conference championship run last year. Um, they lost Torrey Craig to the Bucks. They lost uh, Jeremy Grant to the Pistons. Well, like I said, we'll get into those later on in the show, a lot of those uh, these free agency pickups and see how their impact will be on their new teams. But... Uh, Jeremy Grant got a nice contract with the Pistons, um, and also uh, Miles Plumlee as well went to went with Jeremy Grant to the Pistons. So um, Nuggets lost a lot of a lot of pieces off their bench. So a guy like R.J. Hampton could really help them out early on, and he could play right away. Kind of how like Darius Darius uh, Baisley has helped out the Dunder. He was a guy that was. You know, had a similar situation as R.J. Hampton was playing. You know, didn't go to college, went to uh, professional, 
league to play professionally for a year. And it's I, does, I thought it worked out pretty well for Baisley. Uh, he's been doing pretty good for OKC. So I think same thing with R.J. Hampton. I think R.J. Hampton is a highly recruited guy. And I think he, I think he'll do well because he'll have some opportunities or has a chance to have some opportunities playing for a pretty good Denver team. Even without those pieces, they still have, you know, the, they have the best big men in the game in Jokic. They have one of the best guards in the game in Jamal Murray. And they still have all the pieces. Uh, Gary Harris, Will Barton. Will Barton was hurt last year. Gary Harris was hurt last year. They didn't really play that much in the playoffs. So, a totally different new Nuggets roster now. But uh, R.J. Hampton could step in and probably make an impact as a backup point guard behind um, Jamal Murray. Um, Jazz, they uh, traded away Tony Bradley. So, to replace, potentially to replace Bradley, they were able to pick up Yudoka as a bookie at 27. Um, he was one of the best big men last year in college basketball out of Kansas. Um, I think that's a pretty huge pickup. But really, when they did, they drafted him, they that's when the Tony Bradley trade happened. You know, right out was really more trades than anything else in free agency. I mean, but Azubuki could definitely step in make an impact with his inside scoring and he's a very very um very very consistent rebounder double double yeah i think he averaged a double double in college so he was a very good rebounder so on top of his post game and, and he can step out and hit hit the jump shot as well but he's mostly a post guy so Jazz get a nice piece to um, back up Rudy Rudy Gobert. Um, Raptors at number twenty nine were able to get Malachi Flynn, one of the top players in the country last year. Led San Diego State to an undefeated season last year. Um, a very um, very good slasher, very good passer. Has decent point guard skills. I wouldn't say he's you know, I wouldn't say he's an elite point guard, but he has pretty good, decent point guard skills. He's a pretty good shooter from the outside as well. Just a flat out, just more of a scorer than a than a point guard. That's he's more more of that than anything else. So he'll probably step in, probably be the backup point guard for the Raptors. They're able to retain uh, Fred Van Fleet. So you probably see that lineup with him and Kyle Lowry in the starting line, and Malachi Flynn could probably back those two guys up. Um, so top picks in the second round. Mavs able to get Terrell Terry at 31. Terrell Terry is probably the most exciting players in college basketball last year. Um, Mavs did lose a, a bunch of pieces off their bench. So they're trying to rebuild it, and Terrell Terry could be a guy that could do that. He's a little undersized, at, you know, for a because he was he plays more of a shooting guard than a point guard. He's got to work on his point guard skills. He's undersized, meaning that he's 
He's very slight. He's only one at 60 pounds listed, right? So that's the key with him. Once he bulks up a little bit, I think he'll make an impact. Um, another guy that I that I like that went off the board was at 32. The Hornets were able to get Vernon Carey. He's a physical specimen for Duke. 6'10", 270. Very dominant in the post. Very good athlete for his size and a very excellent rebounder. The problem is he may not be the best at defending the pick and roll, so that probably could be an issue with him. And the reason why he fell to the second round because he doesn't have the athleticism to defend the pick and roll. But other than that, he's what you call prototypical back, uh, prototypical backup center in this league. That you can probably use him in stints to get you some point uh, points in the paint. And you know, be a solid rebounder for you when you need that. When you need a big guy to to, to protect the paint and get more re- get rebounds. Another guy that was a guy that was traded by the Timberwolves to the Clippers. Clippers got Daniel Arturo out of Minnesota at thirty three. Like, like, very similar to. Uh, well, I wouldn't say he's that similar. I think he's more of a de- better defensive player overall than uh, Carney. Can move his feet a little bit better. Um, more of a prototypical modern day big. Can stretch the floor. Can shoot the three. Shot thirty six percent from three um, this upcoming year, and like I said, he averaged twenty and eleven last year. So double double type of guy, as well as he can block shots. Um, definitely one of Minnesota's best players for sure. So the Clippers got a nice find with Daniel Arturo. Another guy we have is Spurs Raven at thirty at forty one. The Spurs are able to get Trey Jones, so that is uh, definitely a slide for Trey Jones. But like I said, it's really his age. He's been, I believe, he's been with Duke for a while now. He's been with the program for a while, so that's probably why he slid so far. But he gives. You know, the Spurs, a guy that can step in right away because of his maturity. But he's, I mean, he was, well, he's a, he was a sophomore, so he really saved for an additional year. But he definitely improved his three point shooting. And, and he can guard. I mean, he's a very good defender, very good on ball defender on the perimeter. So that, could be something that Popovich will definitely like as well. You know, I think 
Popovich loves two way guys that can do can, that can guard on the on the defensive men as well as you know impact can make an impact on the offensive end. So Trey Jones can definitely do that. Very good pick and roll player as well. So just knows how to play. One thing about Popovich when he uh, drafts guys, he's gonna get guys that know how to play the game, have very good high basketball IQ. That's definitely Trey Jones. Obviously, he has a brother that's in the league right now. Um, and I believe he plays for Memphis. So, so yeah, just just having that brother in the league just shows you that their family has strong genes when it comes down to just putting, you know, players that are in the league. Just have a very good basketball family. So, Trey Jones follows his brother's footsteps, gets drafted, and it's heading to the San Antonio Spurs. They went to the same school as well, which is crazy. So, that means they both went to Duke as well. So, I'm trying to see what his, what his brother's name is. Bear with me. Tyus Jones. Yeah. Tyus Jones. Which right now, Tyus Jones, he plays for the Memphis Grizzlies. So, basketball family for sure. I think they have another brother. So, they have three brothers. But Tyus Jones and Trey Jones are the only two that actually made it to the NBA. So... Pretty good story. All right, so at 48, the Warriors picked uh, Nico Manning out of Arizona. It's a talented freshman, very good athlete. Um, can shoot the ball fairly well from the outside. I would probably say the weakness with Nico Manning is... trying to I would say the weakness for him is he's not he doesn't his frame he's very undersized you know he's 6'3 but he plays like a shooting guard his wingspan is not really big and just like I said there's still you still have to just see if he can defend because he's not the you know high level athlete that you know you're gonna get at the, in the first round. So that's probably why he fell so much in the second round. I mean, he's a fairly good athlete, but he's not an elite athlete, so that can hurt him. He's like I said, he's more of a skilled guy than anything else. He's got a lot of skills, very talented when it comes and has good basketball IQ. So that's why you know the Warriors liked him enough to pick him at 48 um, and they just signed him for a two-way contract so he got a two-way contract as well um, here's another interesting one Rockets um, got Kenyon Martin Jr. at 52 again another one that didn't play college um, I don't even think he played overseas which is crazy as far as I know, I think he just went to high school, just 
just put his name in and end up getting drafted. He went out even playing a single game, you know, overseas. I don't think he played overseas. I'm not mistaken. I mean, I can try to check it, but I don't think Kenya Martin Jr. played overseas. I think he just kind of just got drafted because people know who he is. People know his father. Yeah, he he went to IMG Academy, but never played a game. Never really played overseas. So, and he also got a four-year deal. <laughs> Which I'm just looking it up. We got a four-year deal, so. But he's six seven, two fifteen, a little bit undersized. He played a lot of power forward in high school and at IMG, so he's gonna have to learn how to, you know, improve his perimeter skills if he wants to play, you know, possibly the three in the NBA. I don't think he'll he's big enough to play the four in the NBA. Maybe in some small ball lineups he could play the four, but I don't think... That's kind of like the issue with uh, Precious Achawera as well. Precious Achawera is only 220, but, you know, he played a lot of power forward in Memphis. So, I mean, the thing is with Martin, why he fell so much is, you know, the unknown. I'm not him... Him skipping college and just going straight to the NBA, I mean, that is still like a risk because you don't really know how he'll do against high-level competition, but I this for him being pretty highly uh, highly touted and highly talented, he was able to able to get picked and just his potential upside, you know, his dad being in his life and him, you know, him already playing in the league and having a successful career is probably why he was able to get, you know, the nod to get a pick. And originally, it was a Kings pick, but they traded it to the Rockets. So the Rockets, believe me, he's going to have opportunity. The Rockets look like they're on their way to rebuilding, but as of right now, they still have James Harden and Russell Westbrook on the roster. We'll kind of get into that a little bit later on in the show. If they're going to be going someplace, or are they just going to right as of right now? I don't think so. They're still on the roster, and training camp starts um, today. So, but it's a rocky situation because you know they wanted out, and they said that they wanted out, but they weren't able to make a deal yet. So, and a lot of the rumors were were. were that he was, at least James Harden was going to go to the Nets. Possibly the Rockets had a deal with John Wall to go to, you know, to trade for Russell Westbrook. And none of those really materialized. So, yet they're still on the roster and they still have to um, just, you know, play out their contract and be professional. Even though they don't like the head coach or they didn't agree on the head coach or they didn't really have an opinion on how, who was going to be the head coach. So, 
already from the jump, it's, it's looking pretty rocky on how things are going to be, you know, during the year. It could turn into, like, a Carl... But the worst thing is, like, you say that it could turn into a Carl Martin Anthony situation, you know, way back when he was with, when he was with the Nuggets, and he, want, he wanted his way out. Um, you got two guys that want their, want, want their way out, so that's probably even worse. That's even worse, Torn Mario. I mean, but they... It's so funny that they have all this turmoil, and then they signed Demarcus Cousins. I think that's just a latch-ditch resort to try to get them to stay by signing Demarcus Cousins. Who knows what you're going to get out of Demarcus Cousins? He's been out of league for two years. Um, was on the Lakers. Didn't even play a single game with the Lakers because uh, he torn his ACL in that uh, last summer. So we'll have to see how it all goes. Uh, what, what will DeMarcus Cousins bring to the Rockets? That's going to be a question that everyone has to find out. All right, to wrap up the rest of this draft, at 53, Widges drafted Cassius Winston, the, the veteran Michigan State Spartan point guard. So that's a guy that... Could possibly be a nice backer for John Wall, or or maybe might have to might play might start <laughs> if John Wall gets traded. But both, I mean, I w- I would say both Beal and Wall. Especially, listen, if things get rocky, especially with the Rockets and and, and Bradley Beal and John Wall, if things get rocky, they could definitely demand a trade. And for teams like maybe the Celtics, um, it's going to be definitely a, like, we'll get into the, you know, the sign-and-trade situation with Hayward in a minute, how there could be a lot of players that could be tr- uh, trade pieces that the Celtics could target, or or most other teams that are, you know, that are looking for that third option or fourth option to try to get get as talented as those teams out west that are much more deeper. Because you all know all the all the things that the Lakers have done. We'll get into that in the next segment. But uh, to finalize the draft, Cassius Winston, very good piece for the Wizards. Gives them um, strong leadership qualities. He's been there, done that. He's been, been playing uh, college for four years. Um, I think he should definitely give this team an attitude change. Definitely good for the locker room. So, not an overly special piece, but just a guy that knows how to play. Very good basketball IQ. Should definitely help their locker room. Because, believe me, they might need it if things get rocky, you know, in Washington. They're not winning. So, uh... All right, so quickly, draft day winners. I liked what the Hornets have done. Um, getting Carney able to get um, LaMelo Ball, which we, that was projected to get LaMelo Ball at that spot, but I still think they needed a point guard desperately. They have a lot of scoring guards and not a lot of point guards. LaMelo Ball will give them that ball distributor that they need to kind of run their offense more crisply and more efficiently 
So that's that's a that's a huge get. Also, they help their center position out by getting Carney, their backups. Really, they don't really have any physicality with their bigs. They got really guys that are kind of slight and slim. Their starter right now is Cody Zeller, but he's just not a physical guy. Carney really gives them some physicality inside. Um, the Warriors getting James Wiseman and, and Nico Manning. Obviously, James Wiseman, the best player in the draft, best big man in the draft. He's a super, super talented guy. Um, it's a huge, huge loss that they were that they um, that Clay Thompson torn his ACL, but getting the top pick definitely helped to kind of soften the blow a bit by getting a premier center to put into your roster along with these veteran play pieces around him which should make the transition to the NBA much more smoothly with Steph Curry and Draymond Green to kind of teach him and show him the ropes of how the NBA how the NBA works and and how he can get better every day so should, he shouldn't you know be a guy that could be an impact by midseason you got all those you know veteran players around him you got Wiggins as well another guy which I still think Wiggins still needs a Still needs a little bit more tutelage, you know, with Seth Curry and Steph Curry. Excuse me, I almost said Seth Curry, but Seth, Steph Curry and and Draymond Green and um, Kep, Kevon Looney. Those guys can kind of. Well, it's kind of it's kind of rough because he they had way more veterans a couple years ago. A lot of those veterans are starting to retire or leave the. You know, Iguodala's gone. He's with Miami, so... And Livingston retired. So a lot of those guys that were veterans on those championship teams are not there, but they have a lot of those veterans still there that I just mentioned that could help out these younger guys or these guys that really don't have any idea how to win. So, or, or any idea really how the NBA, you know, works. They'd be able to lean on those pieces. And that's probably their only hope right now to possibly get themselves into the playoffs. I think they'll get into the playoffs, but the question is, I don't think they're going to really go that far. Klay Thompson is a definitely a huge loss, for sure. But I still have the Warriors as a winner on draft day. And then Spurs, I think the Spurs getting Devin Vassell in the first round out of Florida State. I think he's the best athlete in the draft. And then you have Trey Jones giving you that veteran leadership. Um, definitely helped their wing and guard position fairly well. Because um, Spurs, they lost a lot of talent as well, um, particularly in their bench. So definitely those guys could step in and help out their bench. Hopefully the Spurs can kind of I don't know with the Spurs. They they, they made the playoffs last year, so it's just a tough thing with the West. They just have to um, just, like they kind of remind me of the Celtics. Kind of around, they're kind of a team that's good, but they're just not great yet. They're still looking for maybe a piece they could get to kind of improve their improve their team, so that way they can compete with the big giants out west and the big giants. You know, in the NBA overall. 
All right, so we're going to take a break. Um, we'll get into the get into my NBA free agency thoughts. Get into you know what teams really improved themselves really well, both in the East and the West. And we'll probably get into college basketball as well. And probably we'll probably split this up into three parts for this episode. There's a lot of material that I had to cover. It's, it's just a lot going on. It's just going so fast. All right, so we'll be right back. You listen to the Rims and Us podcast. Your host Rob Morris. We'll be right back. <laughs> 